Hello everyone, welcome to Chaos Under Control. My name is Emily Richardson and I am the host and the creator of this podcast. If it's your first time joining us, I am so excited that you have found your way here. I hope that you find so much relatability and transparency throughout these episodes and I'm so glad that you're here. I hope you come back time and time again. It means so much to me. If it's not your first time joining us, you are fantastic, you are incredible, and you are amazing for choosing to devote time of your day yet again to this podcast You have no idea what it means to me to see that people are really engaging in this, they're enjoying it, and they're just utilizing something that started out for my benefit, and now it's helping others as well. So while we are talking about helping others, today's episode, if you know a first-time mom, this is an episode she needs to hear. If she is pregnant right now, or maybe not even a first-time mom, just a mom that's pregnant, this is a great episode. Because today we are talking about how to create a birth plan. That will be the how episode for our who, what, when, where, why, and how series this time around. Now, the great thing about a birth plan is that it is entirely up to you. You design it. You are in charge of it, but it is very important. And I don't think they are talked about enough because until my OBGYN brought it up to me, I'd never heard of it. And once he told me about it and I really did research and I took the time to plan mine out and be very organized and specific, I was so thankful that I did. I saw the results from that hard work and it was so so beneficial for me and everyone involved. So I highly recommend a birth plan, but today I'm going to break down what it is, what needs to be on it, why it's necessary, just kind of break it down for you. So if you know any moms or soon-to-be moms, send them over here, let them listen to this episode because it will benefit them. All right, diving right in. Let's go. (laughs) So what is a birth plan? What is it? A birth plan is the expectation or wishes of the mother or parents concerning induction, labor, and the overall hospital stay. So a birth plan is very dynamic. It's very unique, but ultimately it is what you are wanting to get out of giving birth because that's a big deal. It's not just a big deal because you're bringing a life into the world. It's a big deal because there's a lot of behind the scenes that go into it. A lot of things you may want, you may not want, and you have those rights and you deserve to have the experience that you want. And that brings me to my next point, why it's necessary. As a mother or parents, you have the right, you have rights and deserve if possible to have the birth experience you wish for. Now, before we go any further, you need to understand that for one, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a pediatrician, I'm not an OBGYN. This birth plan is specifically, or this guide, I should say, is specifically from the birth plan that I made, the birth plans I've researched, I've spoken with my doctor and people at the hospital, and this is the information I have for you based off of all of that. So understand that. Point number two, Understand that no birth plan is set in stone. I don't care if you get it notarized. I don't care if the president delivers it to the hospital. Plans can change and you need to be open about that. However, you need to have it laid out to where if nothing goes wrong or changes what you have written down, then what you write down is what's going to happen. And don't think you're being bossy for having a birth plan. Your doctors should respect that 100%. 
You need to find an OBGYN to deliver your baby that respects your wishes, that understands where you're coming from, that will do what you're asking of them because you are the deliverer. You are not just going to lay there and just do the work and not have any say in it. That's not fair. They're getting paid regardless. So you need to make sure your wishes are honored, but at the same time, they are the professionals. If you have something on that birth plan that they're like, hey, this may not be the best idea or... When it comes down to it, if they're like, hey, so we know you have this on the birth plan, but this isn't how it's going to be able to work for this safety reason or this reason, you need to trust their judgment. You can do the best you can to make it happen, but you need to trust if they say, hey, we need to go a different route, okay? So just be mindful of that above everything else. Now, before explaining what goes on your birth plan, make sure, here's three points. First, make multiple copies of it, all with your signature on it. Here's why. You need to present your birth plan to your OBGYN, not at your last visit, not the visit before, but the visit before that one. So your third to last visit, because if I'm not mistaken, when you get to like, is it 35 weeks, I believe, something like that, or maybe 37, you go weekly until you get to 40 weeks, I think, I don't know, it may be different in every state, but around 35 weeks, I would give your OBGYN your birth plan. And if you don't have an appointment, just go up there and drop it off. Say, hey, this needs to go to Dr. So-and-so. It's my birth plan. It's very important. I want to hand this to him. Hand it to him with your name, your um, due date, the name you plan to name your baby, Whatever you want to put on there is fine. The hospital you're delivering at, if you're set to be induced or have a C-section scheduled, write all that down on there just so he can have that in front of him or she can with all the information as to who they're dealing with and whose birth plan this is. Here's the thing. When you present this to your doctor, you don't have to stand there and watch them read it unless you just are that bound and determined. You do what you got to do. But they should respect you enough to read it. You can wait and give it to them at your appointment if you'd like and watch them read it there or you can drop it off. But by delivering it to them, you are letting them know this is important to me. I want this to be honored and you can tell them that. If possible, if it's safe, I want you to honor this birth plan. Make that clear to them and they know that. They respect that. They understand that. But just be very clear about that because this is an important day of your life, one of the most important, and you can never get it back. So you need to be well prepared, you need to feel comfortable, and you need to understand what's going to happen. So do that. Give a copy to your OBGYN and also take copies to the hospital. Here's why. You don't necessarily have to go up there before you give birth, I wouldn't say. Just have them in your hospital bag because your OBGYN, like for example, when I gave birth, my doctor had just delivered twins. I got induced at 5 a.m. He had just delivered two twins like an hour before. He had a lot going on. So there may have been a chance that he didn't have time to sit down the nursing staff that was dealing with me and say, hey, this is what she wants for her birth plan. He had seen it, but he may not have had that chance. So the nurses are going to be in there with you, whether you're induced or you're going into labor, your water has broken, they will be in there. Have that copy in the hospital bag and make sure they see it or make sure you tell them about it. I recommend that they see the copy of the birth plan, but that's just me. Now, if for whatever reason, God forbid, you have emergency labor, if there is a tragic accident or something happens and that baby is about to come out, 
hate to say it, but your birth plan's gone out the window. Like if that baby's about to come out when you get to the hospital, the baby's coming out. Like that's just it. But in an ideal situation where your water breaks or you're having contractions and you go to the hospital and you have that time or even induction, if you're getting induced, you know you'll have more time. That is a different situation. So also scheduled C-sections, you can definitely do a birth plan for that as well because you know when to be there, what's going down at what time, and that makes the birth plan actually easier because it's already laid out, the birth is. So moving on down the list, what are you going to include in your birth plan? I have written little points beside all of these categories. I've divided them up. Everything I have listed is not everything in the world. It's just a general idea. And the reason being is because, as I stated, your birth plan is yours. It's different for everyone. It's not one birth plan covers all. It's not like a checklist. You make it how you want it to be. So here's just some general ideas. I highly recommend you do your own research. You ask your OBGYN what an ideal birth would be, what things should be included, what things aren't necessarily ideal, but some people may do. And then from that, you decide what you want. So that's what I recommend. But here is my list for you. So assuming you have an induction or a natural labor, which means that you will, it would have to be one or the other, I guess, unless again, God forbid, there's an accident, like you are in a car accident and you have to have the baby right away, something terrible. But assuming you schedule an induction or your water breaks and you go to the hospital or something along those lines, something ideal. So when you get there, you need to have on your birth plan if you want the epidural offered to you or not. Here is why. There are moms, and if you go back to my episode, which episode was it? It's one that I've done with Sierra Myrick, and it was, I think it was the vaginal birth versus C-section. I'm almost positive that's the one. She was talking about how she did not want the epidural offered to her. If she wanted it, she would ask for it. There are a lot of moms who are that way. I was not one of those moms. Here's why. I said it in that episode, but when I got induced, the anesthesiologist told me that he had two sets of twins to deliver or two sets of twins scheduled. He had another woman just come in about to give birth. And if I wanted the epidural at all, I probably wouldn't get it until about two and a half hours from getting induced. So I know me and it was 5 a.m. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to risk spending two and a half hours in horrible pain if I know there's a chance I might want the epidural. So I just went ahead and got it. But Sierra was not that way. She did not want it offered. She did not want them to bring it up no matter if she was in pain. If she wanted it, she would have requested it. There are a lot of women like that, but you need to have that on there because that way you're not having to tell nurses time and time again when they do shift changes or whatever that No, I don't want it offered. Stop offering it. Blah, blah, blah. They know from the bat. Don't offer it. Now, next point. Light in the room, sound in the room, shower if needed, who in the room. All of those are very important to have on there. Some women want rooms that are lighter. Some women want rooms that it's not so bright in there. The light's really low and mellow. Some people like to play music. Some like it very quiet. Some people who don't get the epidural, you can't walk around if you get the epidural. But if you choose to go without, you can get in the shower. Sierra said she did that. You can get in a bath. You can walk around. Some people only want two people in the room while they're laboring. Some people want whoever to come in the room. All of that needs to be on there. This will be a longer podcast, by the way, because I have a lot of points. Just throwing that out there. So also, moving down the list, if you are birthing or delivering via vaginally, that is this category, 
Who you want in the room needs to be on there. Some women want their kids to watch. Some people want three people. Some hospitals only allow one person. Some hospitals don't care as long as you stand out of the way. This is, again, what makes birth plans so important because every hospital is different. Their rules are different. Before you spend $600 on a birth photographer or whatever they charge you, I don't know, everyone's different. Before you pay for that, if they only allow one person in there because the rooms aren't that big, you're probably going to pick your husband over the photographer. You may not, I don't know, or your spouse, whoever, but you need to know that in the beginning, how many they allow in there, that whole situation. So that way you can put that on your birth plan and know from the get-go, if you need to tell your mother-in-law, your mom, your sister, your aunt, hey, y'all can't be in here. I only have one person or yeah, y'all can or however you do it. You need to know that. So that's a big one. Also, if you are pro or con to forceps, the vacuum, anything to get the baby out other than you pushing, you need to write that down. Here's the thing. Back to what I said earlier. It's about getting the baby out safely. Some women swear that the vacuum is not safe to get the baby out. Some women swear the same thing about forceps. It's just everyone has different opinions. But at the end of the day, these are medical professionals that if you didn't trust them, you should not have taken yourself to the hospital to give birth. But because you are there and you are under their insurance and their liability and their licensing, you need to trust their judgment because they are trying to get your baby out of the womb safely. And if they say that X, Y, and Z is the safest way, you should probably listen to them. But if you choose not to, then you can handle that later on. But you need to have on there if you are okay with forceps or the vacuum or not or whatever tools they have so that in the event they may need those to help get the baby out, they'll say, okay, well, she doesn't want this. Let's try this. Or they won't even have them laid out. They'll have other choices. So be mindful of that. Also, some women do not want the incision that cuts their um, vagina a little further so the baby can come out. Some women are not okay with that. Some women are okay with that. You need to be upfront how you feel. But again, at the end of the day, baby's got to come out safely. So be mindful of that. Also, one huge thing that my husband said he wanted to do, but I didn't do a vaginal birth, so it didn't matter. Sometimes the mothers want the father or the spouse to catch the baby coming out. So like the last push when the baby comes out, sometimes the dad wants to catch the baby. I don't know. We didn't really get to go down with that because, again, C-section. But if you want that, you need to make everyone clear of that. If you want the dad or spouse up there with you while you're pushing to hold your hand, that's fine. Sometimes the hospital will ask you if you want a mirror down there so you can watch baby come out. I would not want that at all. But some people might. You need to have that on your birth plan if you want the mirror. If you don't, have that laid out so that way they're not wasting precious time laying out tools and taking up more space with things you're not going to want. But they are also on board with knowing, okay, dad, we've got two more pushes. You need to get down here. Or they can hold up the mirror so you can watch. All of that is necessary. They need to know what they are getting into just as much as you. So... That is for birthing vaginally. Now, this is for the delivery and birthing with a C-section, which I ended up having at the last minute. It was not planned, so I didn't get to make my birth plan with just a C-section in mind. Before I go any further, pause. I was told my entire pregnancy, you can have a vaginal birth. Everything looks great. And the reason he told me that was because my baby was not having issues with his heart. I was not at risk for preeclampsia. <clears throat> excuse me. 
there was no type of underlying issue that would lead him to believe I needed a scheduled C-section or would need one for that matter. My baby ended up being breached during or during labor and when I was induced, which means when a baby is breached, that means that their butt is down towards your vagina rather than their head. And that's not how it's supposed to be. If you come to that situation in labor and you don't have the epidural, they can do multiple things to get the baby to flip. They can do stretches, that sort of thing. But there's only so much you can do with an epidural since you can't move around and usually it results in a c-section because that's the safest way for you and baby so that was my situation but regardless what your doctor tells you throughout your pregnancy you need to have on your birth plan if in the event i have a c-section dot 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 if in the event i have a vaginal birth dot 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 or whatever you need to plan for everything because you will be so thankful that when something is out of your control, like having a C-section, you at least have some control over it and you know what to expect to a degree. I promise, take it from someone that it happened to, you will be thankful for that. Now, going on, my C-section list wasn't that detailed. I wish it would have been more detailed, but what I wrote on there, I did appreciate. So, Who do you want in the room? You can only have one person in there when you have a C-section, as far as I know. My hospital was that way. I've never heard it otherwise, but that may not be the case everywhere. My husband was in there, of course. I paid a photographer. She didn't get to come in there. Again, have a birth plan and know, so that way you're not paying people for things you don't need. So have that on there as well. Request for the sheer curtain if you would like it. I do not want that. They did not put that up for me. Praise the Lord. My husband wanted the sheer curtain. If I would have looked and seen them digging inside of me to get a baby out, I probably would have passed out on the table. That's not my thing. I did not want that. I used to think I would want it. And then now that I've actually gotten pictures that the nurse took on my cell phone of the procedure, I'm like... I don't think I would have handled that well. So yeah, no sheer curtain for me. Some moms might want that. Some people want music to play in there. Obviously, you probably shouldn't blare like Journey or, you know, Skillet or whoever the rock bands are you listen to or country for that matter. You shouldn't be blaring music because they are trying to communicate with one another. They are using a bunch of tools and utensils to get your baby out. They're trying to be safe about it. So you may not want to blare it, but your spouse or whoever's sitting next to you, they can have their phone on them. They can bring their phone in there and play some music next to you just to relax you. You can do things like that just so that way you're relaxed, you're calm because I was awake for my C-section and it was terrifying because you're not asleep while they're digging in you and you feel the pressure, but it doesn't hurt, but you can feel them inside of you moving your hands around or moving their hands around. And when they pull the baby out, it's like a ton of pressure because they just pulled a human out, everybody. But it's crazy. It's not scary. Don't let me scare you. It's really incredible. It is. It's amazing. And so you need to be calm so you can enjoy that. Because if you have a C-section, that is your birth experience. You're not pushing the baby out like you see in the movies and you dream of. You are going in a surgery. And so that surgery still needs to feel like the birth experience you want. You need to enjoy that. And so those are little things you can do to really help you enjoy that time. Now that is the actual birth of getting the baby out. Once the baby is out post-birth, immediately I'm talking Here are things that a lot of people like to do that they want to have on their birth plan. This is for vaginal, skin to skin immediately. That is something I had on my birth plan had I had a vaginal birth. Reason being... Your baby knows you. They know your voice. They And I mean, when you hold them, they're not going to be like, oh, mom. But they, you're familiar to them. 
your smell, your voice, your heartbeat, everything is familiar um, to them as far as you go, the person who delivered them. So as soon as they come out, if you hold them to your chest, if you start breastfeeding, they can just start to feel comfortable because they don't know what the world is. There's lights everywhere. There's noise. There's all kinds of stuff going on around them. And they just have you in your warm embrace on their skin, something familiar that's warm that can get their body temperature where it needs to be. They can start nursing and get milk and get that sense of comfort and calm and ease and relax them. And also the thing about skin to skin is that if they come out in the most chaotic moment, not of their life, but of their life thus far, and the first thing that happens is they have a warm embrace against your skin and they're starting to nurse and relax, that is teaching them. And it will start from that second, I promise you, that when they can come to you and be relaxed and calm, it will calm them down because that's the first comforting thing that they're clinging to in this world is you. So that's huge. So definitely write that down if you're passionate about skin to skin immediately. Also delayed cord clamping. Some people are huge about that. That was on my birth plan for vaginal. Um, I did not write that in on my C-section plan. I wrote on there. Well, no, maybe I did. I don't know. I can't find my birth plan copy that I had. I know I wrote it for vaginal, but I don't know that I wrote it for the C-section one. Um, I didn't know you could do it for C-sections. I don't think, I think that's why I didn't write it. I should have asked about that. But for that was on my vaginal was delayed cord clamping because the blood in there is so pure. That's the best blood in the world is the blood that is in the umbilical cord. You can delay that and it can go to your baby. I'm not sure what the delay time is exactly. It might be a few minutes, but that blood can go to your baby before they clamp the cord. Because here's the thing. The placenta that the baby is connected to, the umbilical cord is connected to, is like a big, like, patty-looking thing. And I have a picture of mine. It's pretty cool-looking. But it's a patty-looking thing that your body creates when you're pregnant, and it forms, and it creates itself. And the baby's not connected to you, per se. It's connected to your placenta. And so the umbilical cord connects to the placenta, to the baby's belly button, and the placenta is like part of you. So when you eat, your nutrients go to that. It gets filtered. It goes through the umbilical cord to the baby. So there's blood in there, and that blood is so pure. It's filtered. It's fantastic. Now, a lot of moms like to do delayed cord clamping so the baby can get those nutrients. If you choose to not do delayed cord clamping, there is nothing wrong with that. But for the love of everything, please donate the blood in the cord. Please, please, please. It is 100% free. It is so effective and so important. And here is why. In my next go round, I honestly think I may donate the blood. I feel like that I don't regret my decision of Stetson keeping the blood this time, but I would love to donate it next time. And here's why. <coughs> Excuse me. But when you donate the blood, you're giving it to babies that are in the NICU or babies that may have surgeries. This is blood that is like no other blood in the world and it can fight diseases. It is so good. It is, it's like liquid gold, much like breast milk. It's just incredible. It's not like any other blood. And so if you are not passionate about your baby having it, if it doesn't make a difference to you, donate it. It's free. It's not going to be any sweat off your back. You already have the blood there. Just donate it. For the love, please write on there that you want to donate it or you want to do delayed cord clamping. Do not waste it. Do not waste it. Can't emphasize that enough. Also, immediate breastfeeding. I've said that already, but 
please make sure that if you want your baby to come out and immediately start breastfeeding, that you do that. That is so good for you. It's so good for baby. That will be your first time breastfeeding that child and your hormones will immediately go from giving birth to feeding baby. And here's the thing. <clears throat> sorry, y'all. My, I just feel like I have to cough a ton today. I'm sorry. But when you breastfeed, your body has a thing called a letdown. And that's when your milk begins to flow smoothly. That's called the letdown. When that letdown starts, it's like you're taking a deep breath. You just exhale and it's a relaxing feeling that takes over you. So when you start breastfeeding immediately after giving birth, your body is telling your hormones to relax and take a deep breath and breathe. So you're relaxing while your baby's relaxing. That's helping both of you. It's so important. Do not hesitate to immediately breastfeed right after having your baby. I don't care if there's guts on them. You can write on your birth plan if you want them wiped off first. Some moms don't care. I wouldn't have cared. Just pick them up, hold them, and love them, and relax. That's all you can do. Now, post-birth immediately for C-section. Skin to skin. I wrote that in quotation marks. The reason being is because I don't know how everyone's C-section is, but mine was where I got the epidural and then I got the spinal block because you get the spinal block for C-sections. So because of that, I was completely numb. My arms were numb, my boobs, my shoulders, my toes, my entire body was numb. I could move my neck and my head, but that was it. So my arms were laid out like spread eagle, like across, like, you know what I mean, across side to side. And I had these little, um, what are they called that hold your wrist down? these little ties that like tied down my arms. So the reason being is when you feel the pressure of them pulling the baby out, it doesn't hurt, but you just don't expect it. And so some people tend to jolt and jerk and you don't want to do that. You want to lay completely still. So they tie down your arms and I'm not saying that to sound creepy. It's not anything ridiculous, but they tie down your arms so you can't hold the baby. So after Stetson was born, I had him do skin to skin with Tyler. That's what I wanted. I wanted him to have skin to skin with his parents. And I wrote that in my birth plan. And with C-sections, it's a little different. Again, mom's laying down, but write that down. If you want skin to skin, the dad is going to have the, um, the hospital gear on like the the hairnet and the mask and all that, but he can still have his bare arm showing. Tyler had on short sleeves. He put his arm on Stetson's chest, like his bare chest, his arm, and he put his face up against Stetson's face. That's still skin to skin. It doesn't have to just be your chest. It doesn't have to be any specific part of your body. As long as your skin is on theirs, that is skin to skin. After Tyler calmed him down a little bit, he brought him over there and he put Stetson's face on mine and Stetson was calm and quiet and I gave him kisses and we just held our faces together for a few minutes and that's what I wanted and I still got that skin to skin time. I didn't get to breastfeed, but I still got skin to skin, which was super huge for me and very important. Also, like I said, donating the blood, delayed cord clamping, those are up to you. I did delayed cord clamping, but again, totally up to you. Just please do one or the other. Also, I didn't say this for vaginal, but I meant to. For either vaginal or C-section, some people like to encapsulate their placenta and eat it. I don't, I didn't want to do that. That just wasn't for me. I don't know. I'm not saying it's gross. I'm not because it's literally a capsule and it's something your body grew. I mean, it is what it is, but... I just didn't want to do that. I didn't research it well enough. And I was like, eh. And I also know me. I don't remember to take pills. I'm not good at that anyway. And I don't know if there's a fee for that. You'll have to research. I just didn't look that far into it. But there are a lot of women who choose to do that because 
Your placenta is so powerful. It's so strong. It's got so many nutrients and good things in it that filters things out for your baby and it gives your baby the best of the best. And if you're breastfeeding, taking placenta capsules is not a bad idea. It's actually very good. Now, it, you're not wrong for doing it or not doing it either way. I chose not to. A lot of women don't. A lot of women do. Again, your preference. This is the importance of a birth plan so you can write out these ideas and discuss it with your doctor ahead of time. So that way in the heat of the moment, there's no question, no, are we doing this or that? It's just there. <clears throat> also, I'm not 100% sure, but I want to say that I read an article where you can encapsulate your placenta. And if there's a mother who's adopted or has like adopted the baby, <clears throat> Or maybe not even that, just a mother who may want it, you might can donate your placenta to them because you can donate breast milk to mothers. So I figured that that article might have been accurate, but I need to figure out where I saw it. If I find it, I'll pin it in the show notes, but I'll have to research. So just ask your doctor about that to be sure. <clears throat> Now, that is as far as getting induced, actual labor, having the baby. This is for recovery. So you've had your baby. You are in the recovery room. These are crucial. If you don't listen to anything else I say in this podcast, listen to this. This is so important. I cannot stress that enough. Amen. So as I said, I was completely numb and I was very doped up. Like the pain medicine and all that made me nauseous and I kept falling asleep and I was not with it. Like while he was born, I would wake up and fall asleep. And I remember his birth. I remember him coming out and crying and I cried. And then I kept like falling asleep for like, I'd literally fall asleep for 30 seconds. And then I'd wake up for like a minute and then I'd fall asleep for 30 seconds and wake up for a minute. It was like that for like three hours after he was born. I hated it, but there was nothing I could do about it. So you need to understand that you have a golden hour, which means the hour after your baby is born, you and the husband, or you and your spouse, or you and maybe the adoptive parents, or however you're doing this, you get to be in the room with the baby. That is up to you. My husband and I were the only two in the room during that golden hour, and that's how I wanted it to be. Now, I, the, a nurse might have like popped in there. I don't remember. I was dozing off, but I wanted that to be quiet and intimate. Listen to me, people. That hour is the probably the only other time in you or this baby's life while your baby is this young that you will ever have privately by yourself. Again, and that's the newest time that's the newest time your baby has. Your baby just came out of you. You are seeing for the first time this life you created that you carried that is half of you and half of another person and you get that time with them. Do not share that time. Don't do it. You can hate me for saying it. People can get mad. I don't care. You have the rest of this baby's life to share this baby with the world. Do not share your baby with the world in that time. Breastfeed if you choose. Skin to skin. I cannot say it enough. Take your baby out of the baby blanket. Put their naked self with a diaper. With the diaper. I recommend a diaper. On your body. Up against your chest. Literally no shirt. I had my boobs out. They were hanging on both sides. I didn't care. My baby was on top of my chest. And here's the thing. My husband is a godsend because I kept falling asleep. He still made sure that my shirt was undone, that the baby was on my chest. He and the nurse helped the baby breastfeed on me. I have a picture of it and I love it so much because I just couldn't do it. I was numb. I was falling asleep. And if you have a vaginal birth, it's not like that. I've heard it's much more smoother, which is great. But either way, <clears throat> 
he made sure that the baby was on me, had that skin to skin, could breastfeed. And we had that quiet alone time because the nurses and doctors are going to come in and out, in and out, in and out. After that hour, people are going to visit. Then you go home and you have to deal with your new normal and you have pets and other kids. And it's just, you need to soak up that hour. It's the only hour you have when your baby's that new, that is so quiet, so personable. You can play music if you want. I wish I would have had that on my birth plan to uh, play some quiet like gospel music or nursery rhymes without words. Just quiet music to calm the baby down. Maybe some white noise machines. The lights down low. Just relax and enjoy that with you and your little family. You deserve that and you will not regret it. I swear to you. Okay, after that golden hour, I really went on about that, but it's so important. I cannot explain to you. No interruption if possible. So after your baby's born, have on the birth plan. If the nurses have to come in and do some type of test or whatever, that's fine. But don't pop in just to pop in. Now, our nurses were very good about that because here's the thing. When they open that door and the baby hears the hallway noise and all that, probably going to wake up. Your baby's going to wake up like every hour regardless for like the first week. That's just how it is. You're going to be a zombie. So when your baby's asleep, you will cut somebody's head off if they wake he or she up because you have to rest also. You're going to be tired and sore and you need rest. They need to come in there as little as possible. If you feel like they don't need to come in and baby's fine, you need to let them know at the last visit, hey, I feel fine. Baby's sleeping. Do not come in unless it is something important, please. And they will respect that. But they still have to do their job. They have to administer certain medicines, that sort of thing. But if baby's okay and you're okay, let them know. Just let us rest. You will not regret it. Now, on that same note, at the hospital I gave birth at, they don't have a nursery and I loved it. I watch a ton of Criminal Minds. Judge me if you want. I don't care. I watch a ton of Criminal Minds and I had like this paranoid thought that they would take my baby to the nursery and bring me back a different one or like someone would kidnap him. And here's the thing. After you have a baby, your hormones are coming down from being pregnant and you're a mess. You'll cry like for no reason whatsoever. You'll just cry. And that's normal. That's so normal. Don't feel bad about that. But you'll get kind of paranoid sometimes. And that's your baby. You don't want it to, you know, get harmed in any way or whatever. And that's fine. But I did not want the baby to be taken away from me at all. And so the fact that my hospital didn't have a nursery, I love that. <clears throat> I love that he was always in there. But at the same time, I did not get rest <clears throat> because when he woke up, I had to wake up. Of course, he start crying. I had to wake up. So I didn't get that time of rest. If you want to rest, maybe have an hour, two hour nap, send your baby to the nursery. That's fine. If you're adamant about breastfeeding and calming your baby yourself, that's fine. Keep them in the room with you. When they cry, put them on your boob. Let them relax. Even if you don't think they're hungry, put them on the boob. It's comforting. It calms them down. It lets them know someone is here for you. You're okay. You've been inside the warm womb for nine months where it's cozy and calm in there. You need to feel that calmness here. Whatever you want to do. There's no right or wrong. They have nurses specifically in the nursery to cuddle the babies, to keep them cozy. They will be in good hands either way, but it's up to you. But you need to have on there what you want. So definitely be mindful of that. Also, this one. Check for a lactation consultant. Make sure your hospital will have a lactation consultant on hand for you. If you have any questions about breastfeeding, if you need assistance, whatever it may be, take advantage of that. Lactation consultants are a gift from God. Take advantage. Ask them all your questions. Do what you got to do because breastfeeding is important if you want it to be. If you choose to formula feed, that is your business. No one's judging you. 
But if you want to breastfeed, be educated on it. Ask questions. Use that to your advantage. It is a free source. Take advantage of it. This one's a little grody, but you know what? It is what it is. Giving birth does not make your body all that glamorous from the get-go. It takes time. So hemorrhoids, those are big, literally. So when you are pregnant, a lot of women get hemorrhoids. The reason being is because your body makes you feel like if you're a man and you're listening to this, sorry, you put yourself in the situation 35 minutes deep into a birth plan episode. So your body makes you push to feel like you have to go number two when you don't. And when you push and strain, a hemorrhoid will pop up, which is like an inflamed spot on your butt part, of course. And when you push a baby out, you're pushing and pushing and pushing. Those can get inflamed or it can create one. After you give birth, you need to make sure that your doctor or nurse checks that. And if you have a hemorrhoid, they need to put cream on it to make it shrink down or it will hurt when you go potty. Trust me, you need to make sure that they check that. That is very important and I highly recommend it. Also, any tears or rips from incisions or when you give birth, if you push vaginally, if you rip at all, you need to check for that. You need to make sure you're tending to that. It's staying clean, that you have the right care there. You need to make sure all of this is on your birth plan. So when the nurses trade shifts, they know, okay, I wasn't here for her birth, but it says on here that I need to make sure I check for rips or tears. She can check for rips or tears and you're good to go. She probably already knows that, but nonetheless, it's good to have it on there. So definitely have all that on there. Now, that is all of it as far as getting to the hospital, giving birth, post-recovery. But here are a few key points you need to make sure you have on there nonetheless. Above all, you need to anoint someone to answer for you if you not if you cannot do it yourself. I wrote on there, if I can't speak for myself, I want my husband to because he was there when I typed up my birth plan. He was there when I signed it. I told him everything I wanted. I said, God forbid, but if it comes down to it, this was on my birth plan. I said, if it comes down to it where you have to save me or the baby, save the baby. That's just how it is. I wrote that on there and I signed it with my name. I gave it to my doctor. I gave it to my husband because you never know what can happen and I'm not trying to scare you. But in any surgery, you never know what can happen. Any birth situation, you never know. If it came down to it, I wanted that. I wrote it on there. I said, there will be no exception with this. I'm writing this down. This is what I want. I told him and my doctor and my nurses and they knew. They respected it because I was serious about my birth plan. So not just with that, but if you can't speak for yourself, if you're asleep because the medication has you so doped up like I was, and I'm asleep like I was, if there was a nursery and the nurse said, do you want me to take the baby to the nursery so she can sleep? I wrote on there, I do not want the baby to leave. I want the baby with me. He would have said for me, no, she doesn't want that. She wants the baby here. He wasn't able to say, oh, I'm not sure. He was caught up to speed. He knew what I wanted. My mother knew, or my, excuse me, my mother-in-law my mom didn't get to make it for the birth, but my mother-in-law knew what I wanted. Everyone there knew what I wanted. And so that was huge for me that everyone there knew if I'm asleep or can't answer for myself, you know what I want. But the person that speaks for me is my husband, Tyler. <clears throat> I wrote that down. Also, be clear and specific on your birth plan. Don't write, I kind of want this. I think I want that. Write, I want this. I do not want that. Also understand if plans change, I get it. If it's for the safety of the baby, I understand change. But if it's in my control, I want this and this, and I don't want that or that. Be very clear. Again, I'm going to say it again. Understand that plans can change. That's just how it is. You never know. No birth is the same. But above all, be excited. 
You're about to bring life into this world. The best day of your life is about to happen. It may have already happened if you've given birth before, but it's going to happen again. There's nothing like the day where you hear your baby cry and you know it's all worth it. They're healthy and you become a parent again or for the first time. Nothing like it. So seriously, y'all, don't listen to what people say. Birth plans are stupid and a waste of time. Do not listen to them. Do not. They are so important, and your hospital staff and your doctor should respect you enough to go by them. But if it is in your control, which it is, you will be so appreciative that you took the time to write out what you want for one of the best days of your life. If you were to make a speech at your graduation, you would write it out. You would take the time to be specific on what you want to say and how you want to say it because it's one of the best days of your life and it's important to you. This is no different. Take the time. Write out your speech. Do what you got to do. Respect yourself. Respect your baby. Respect your situation enough to do it. So if you all have any questions about birth plans, I'm here to answer at any time. Message me on Instagram at Emily G. Richardson, or you can email me at emilygrichardson at gmail.com. I'm always here for y'all. Please let me know if you have any questions, need any help with this. To all you soon-to-be mamas, good luck, enjoy it, embrace it, soak up every second because you can't get it back. Y'all have a great day. I love y'all. See you next time.